All right, I'm here with uh, Gonky, who you may know from the Stand Against Evil Spectre series, whose uh, character in the book. I've flown with him for a long time, um, most notably VFA 204, and now at the uh, T-38 squadron. Former Hornet guy like myself flying the uh, T-38s, and today we're going to talk about how Gonky became a fighter pilot, because you may remember Gonky asked me how I became a fighter pilot. <laughs> Dude, how did you even become a fighter pilot? Honor to be here. Yeah, thanks. And uh, so let's get started. Uh, Gonky, welcome. Thanks, Mover. <laughs> good, good. So <laughs> anyway, uh, so what I thought we'd do today is just kind of tell another person's story. Gonky obviously went through the Navy. Uh, you went through OCS, OTS, OCS. OCS. So tell me your background. How'd you get involved in flying? What was like? the first time you went flying and how'd you get there? Uh, well, I always had an interest in flying because my dad was an aircraft mechanic, career aircraft mechanic. He worked on fighters in Vietnam and that's kind of where it, it spawned from. So I didn't, uh, I flew in college a little bit. So I went to a big uh, aviation college, University of North Dakota. Um, and that's where I, I learned how to fly. I got all my civilian ratings um, up to CFII. So that was my first did you teach? Were you a CFI yeah, instructor? Yeah, I, I did. Uh, I taught while I was in school, and I taught um, a little bit out of out of college. So I did a little bit of civilian flying before uh, I got in the in the in the Navy. Okay. All right. So you graduated and then applied OCS. Yeah. So what happened was I always wanted to be a military pilot, but uh, kind of like you touched on in your your video where you had health <laughs> health problems and what yeah, I had yeah. I had health problems as well. Uh, childhood asthma, psoriasis. Jeez, uh, I'm sure a whole bunch of other. Yeah. Physical See, everybody's <laughs> got a story. It's it, you do not have to be an astronaut. No. To be a fighter pilot. In no. The, in the Navy. Okay. No, and I was a straight D student in high school too, so I wasn't a. You know, I wasn't the academic model. How'd you do in college? I mean, uh, you obviously had to have decent grades to... Yeah, well, college is different because, you know, we're, uh, we had to pay for it. <laughs> um, yeah. I didn't have, you know, I wasn't ROTC or any kind of scholarships or anything uh, because I wasn't that smart in high school. And uh, so I paid for college. Um, and so I... Thought well, I better really try. So yeah, yeah. I finished with a three three, I think three two. Nothing. I got a BS degree, a BS degree in every general general every, study, every form of, the, of what BS could be. So, <laughs> so what um, what kind of flying did you do before you joined the military? So you got your commercial, you got your CFI, and then yeah, what what kind of cool stuff did you do? Uh, so I did. Uh, like you said, CFI double I for the school, which was part 141, and I did uh, part 91 training as well, just at a local FBO, which is a uh, awesome time. Uh, the coolest flying I did civilian was I flew weather mod. So when you have 400 hours, God, here we go with the. <laughs> all right, I was the thunderstorm <laughs> chaser, the conspiracy theorist. Oh yeah, here we go. It's the, I was a cloud seeder. Yeah, there it is. It's proof. There it is. Them trails are real. That's right. Yeah, Gonky's Gonky's proof of that. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I flew twin Cessnas, and we flew into thunderstorms in uh, San Antonio area. I forget, there was like 15 or 20 counties we were supporting. For, to, to create thunderstorms. Uh, <laughs> for rain enhancement. Yeah. Okay. So we couldn't create a thunderstorm. We couldn't, st we get calls all the time from the farmers, uh, you know, calling our little radar shack. Hey, you stole my rain. Well, that's impossible, sir. <laughs> um for you know to nerd out about it uh basically we would burn chemical release chemical in the clouds that would simulate cloud condensation nuclei which was just it gives the water molecules something to bond to and fall out as rain and they estimate i think i think in an entire rain season we'd increase the waterfall by like a quarter inch or something. It, I mean, Illuminati confirmed. Yeah, yeah. so you confirmed all uh, suspicions. And, this will now go viral. None and, of what you say after this means anything. This is the part. But um, but we would actually have to mix the chemical, and um, there was a lot of crazy stuff in it. But nothing struck me as mind control. Yeah. Um, so it was for rate enhancement. So okay. Well, all right. Enough about that because I'm sure the comment section is now about to blow up. But. <laughs> <laughs> from 
there, uh, how did you apply OCS? Uh, well, while I was in college, I almost got in the Marines. Uh, the Marines had a direct uh, guaranteed uh, pilot slot. You talk about it in your previous videos yep. of, hey, the best deal is to join a reserve or yep. guard squadron because then you know where you're going to fly. So I didn't even realize that stuff existed. Like you mentioned, it's not well known. Um, but active duty, the Marines at the time, this is like late 90s, um, they were uh, guaranteeing flight slots. So I tried really hard to get in there. I couldn't pass the physical. Um, we had an Air Force ROTC program. I tried to join them. Couldn't pass a physical. Because uh, of the <clears throat> yeah. aforementioned, yeah. Yeah, they said, uh, yeah, you had health problems. So, yeah, the Marines rejected me because I had childhood asthma. They're like, ooh, sorry. <laughs> now, was that for the NAMI, for the flight physical side, or is just enlistment in general they had a problem with it? Flight. Yeah. Flight physical. So, wow. um, then I tried to join the Navy. <clears throat> and... Uh, you know, the recruiter told me that they got their best pilots from Nuke Power School. So I started to go down that road, which wasn't true, obviously. And uh, I got a bad taste in my mouth, so to speak, from uh, <laughs> <laughs> from that from that experience. And so I tried basically all of the flying branches. Uh, I don't know, not, not the Coast Guard. But um, then I decided, all right, I'll give this a break. And that's when I got all my civilian, finished all my civilian stuff. And then I didn't uh, re-pursue that until I was out of college flight instructing um, after uh, after September 11th, so after all the cloud seeding stuff as well. So you were a couple years removed from college at that point? Yeah, I graduated in three and a half years because I was motivated to get out of the cold. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, not because I'm smart, but yeah, so I took about a year and a half off, and then and then I reapplied. Uh, and I, I, I always joke, but I, I really think there's some truth to you know After September 11th, I think they lowered the standard they needed people. Um, and I got in, you know, I was very lucky, very, very, uh, very lucky. So like, like you said earlier, I went uh, the OCS route. So I went to OCS after college and with OCS, I could, they said, what do you want to do in the Navy? I said, I want to fly. They said, cool. You want to be a backseater? I said, no. <laughs> and, I, and, and they said, well, if you don't pass OCS, you're, you know, you're going to go home. I said, I don't care. So I knew going to OCS, I was going to be a pilot if I could pass. <laughs> yeah. I went to Pensacola, uh, passed OCS, which uh, was a fun 13 weeks. I think it was 13 weeks. Anyways. And went, it's hard to remember. That's right. It's so that's long so ago. Long ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, I went to uh, uh, flight school there in Pensacola. Uh, fantastic time. Ground school. And they passed the chart around where we're all going to go for our first flying uh, training assignment. And, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and you know, me not knowing anything about anything, I, I, I see my name says Enid, Oklahoma. I'm like, well, I mean, Navy bases in Enid. And that's when everybody around me is <laughs> Enid like- Enid by the sea. It's Enid by the sea, Enid yes. By the sea. Enid is in Oklahoma. Yeah. And there's no sea. No, there's no sea. There's flat land. The map. And, and there's a lot of Air Force there. So they sent me <clears> to, <throat> they would take a small amount of guys uh, and send them to Air Force training. And the Air Force would take some guys and send them to Navy training. It's just a, a little fun swap they would do. So I did the first part of my primary flying training uh, with the Air Force, um, which was quite an experience. It is not the same. It, it is. The, same. <laughs> um, the commander at the time for the best, like, it's like when you, when I went from Vance Air Force, tra Air Force base training back to Navy training at T-45 in Kingsville, it's like, going from Catholic school to public school. <laughs> I mean, it was like a religious experience. So well, which one's which? Uh, the Air Force is Catholic school. Yeah, a little bit stricter. Yeah, yeah totally. There's, there's no stand-up in, in the Navy. There's pros and cons, though. I knew basically when I was going to be done, and the training was excellent. I mean, it was very, very difficult, but uh, but yeah, I went, and I got to fly a T-37. I got to you know see how another branch operates, uh, and then I was lucky enough to uh to get good enough grades to get uh get a jet slot so at the time they were really hard to get uh, i really didn't think i would get one because uh the navy grading i don't know how it is now it may be streamlined but the navy grading system was totally different from the air force so they had this einstein oh yeah uh calculator they would push your grades through to to convert them and by all accounts uh, I thought I didn't have uh, jet grades, but but I did, and and it happened. And it was uh, yeah. Then I, I moved down to Kingsville for for jet training, which was which was really awesome. All right, so after Kingsville, uh, you got jet grades. What was it like to land on the carrier for the first time? 
that's where you do it, right? Yeah, Kingsville. Yeah. So Navy training is a little different. Um, you know, the, the way they set it up is you do, uh, T45 is the first time you get exposure to the carrier and you go through the entire program and then they send you there where you could most likely wash out, right? Oh, good. But right. So yeah. you've already made it this far. Pretty much. And now it's all... Pretty much. You're done with air to ground, the whole elementary okay. dog so, fighting thing. So we talked about IFF. Yeah. So you're basically, for the Air Force version, introduction to fighter fundamentals. You're doing this after you've already kind of you are done, done some tactical stuff. Okay. Yeah. So you are like, yeah, exactly. So compare the Air Force, it's <clears> like <throat> finishing T-38s, finishing IFF right before you go to B course, uh, whatever, yeah. wow. in the Air Force, they send you to the ship. And the reason why they do that is from day one, like every landing is like painfully graded and evaluated. And I mean, it's like- Rightfully so. Rightfully so, because <laughs> they send you through the whole program because you get that many looks at the ball uh and ball flying if you will um before going to the books they want to give you the best chance possible because you go solo yeah with the you know the idea yeah, there's no ip in the no if you're you... <laughs> flying the first time you do a carrier landing is alone and unafraid or alone yeah. and very afraid yeah in fact the first time i ever saw a carrier i took off by myself from navy north island holy crap flew out i don't know 50 miles off the coast held an attack in which happened to be the ship <laughs> met my lead who was overhead they have a, a lead safe overhead i joined up on him and then he kind of brought us in lead safe is an instructor yes right it's yes an instructor that's kind of hanging out over with another aircraft yeah he had uh a couple of students on his wing and he's basically there to kind of shepherd us because the way the navy does the training is it's it's very basic cq it's literally just enough to get you around an aircraft carrier hopefully land on it and take off on it uh it's almost like just learning how to do pattern work yeah in like a t-38 so there's there's case one case two case three cyclic ops a whole bunch of other stuff that you learn later but in kingsville and even in the rag or the b course yeah. the hornet it's very basic yeah dude land without dying yeah. take off without flying in the water yeah. Okay. So after that, you got your assignment to fly Hornets. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, <clears throat> kind of touching on the boat thing in the Navy, you know, nowadays everybody, if you're going to the carrier uh, in any kind of jet, it's going to be a Hornet flavor. So back when I went, you know, it was Prowler, S3, um, Super Hornet, and uh, Charlie model. And the prowler is really hard to land on the ship. So depending on like, if you're a great ball flyer and a mediocre fighter pilot, <laughs> you may go to the prowler and that's kind of, you know, I was so wait to be a mediocre fighter pilot. That means that means the IFF part. Yes. That you didn't do so well in. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did. Not you. I'm not I'm in right. general. The, yes. The Royal you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the prowler, man, I mean, you know, turbojet engines, no burner, big, heavy, ugly thing, you know, like, uh, uh it was just harder to land on the ship, you know, and we had a guy in the squadron that, yeah, he was actually, when he went to the Hornet, yep. he was the best. Yeah, and landing yes. the Hornet on the boat when we did our CQ. Day. Oh yeah, absolutely. Those guys, uh, because you know it's it's just more difficult. And so you know where I fell out was I was okay. You know I was average uh, for the fighter pilot stuff, and I actually did a little bit above average for uh, for the carrier stuff. And so all the LSOs who are the landing signal officers are the, they're the guys that they're kind of like your coaches to keep you from hitting the back of the ship and keep you safe. And they grade you too. Frowned upon. <laughs> Very frowned upon. Um, you know, they were all joking with me. Hey man, we think about prowlers. I did not want to go prowlers, no. but yeah. So, uh, too many people, too many people in, in the, uh, in one airplane. And that's right. So I, uh, I got done with CQ, went back and, um, I got uh, F-18Cs out of out of Kingsville, which was awesome because I knew I'd be the only operator in my flying machine. Oh, from Kingsville, that's what you got. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So from Kingsville, from Kingsville, you, uh, once you graduate there, you get your wings. So in the Air Force, you get your wings, then you go to IFF. That's correct. Yeah. So in the Navy you kind of do IFF and then get your wings. So you get your wings right before you go to the, your, your B course or we 
Called it that. They give you West Coast, East Coast at that point. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> there was, there was like, uh, it, was, it was split down the middle. Everybody that wanted East Coast got West Coast. Everybody that wanted West Coast <laughs> got East Coast. <laughs> and needs uh, of the air, the Navy. Yeah, needs of the Navy. It's something. Yeah. If, if this, you're watching this and you want to be a fighter pilot, just learn the. You don't matter. Needs <laughs> of the government. Yeah, you are just a number. Yeah, but I was so excited. I was, you know, twenty something. I was. I could have sent me to the North Coast. You know, I wouldn't have cared. Yeah. So you went to Lemoore. <laughs> yes. For which is a wonderful place. Another non uh, oceanside, <laughs> similar to Eden. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and how was that flying the Hornet for the first time? Uh, it's pretty. Yeah, you know, for me, it was a kick in the brain because you know, being a flight instructor, and you know. If, uh, any of you guys have flying experience out there, I'll tell you firsthand, you know, I was a CFI, double I, the military flight training, I, until you do it, you just can't understand it. But the learning curve is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I had an advantage maybe the first week <laughs> of, of flying, right? The basic. Yeah. yeah. But you know, uh, in my little Cessna 172, I'm not flying departures at 250 knots, or I'm not doing high altitude penetrations. But you know, there, uh, there's just it's a it's on a whole new level. So, uh, and I actually had to break a lot of my old habits. Um, so when I flew the T45, it was the A model, all steam gauges. And so I, when I went to the Hornet, that thing was all glass. Yeah. Um, granted, Atari glass. Atari, yeah, so, granted. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's 1980s glass. Yeah, it's, it's not, not like triple a, seven a Garmin 1000 no. or anything. There's no. No, no, it's not color MFDs or anything like that. In fact, guys going to it now are probably like, "This ain't glass." <laughs> so, but uh, thumbs down, you thumbs just, down. We're gonna have in the comment section. I know there's no glass in this. There's driver. there's two colors, green and black. And black, yeah. yeah. Well, the newer ones are better, aren't they? Those yeah, Super the Super Hornet has color, but um, the. I, you know, I started on A, B, C's, and D's, and I mean the old ones, um, and they were, they were glass. They had data sub levels and all this stuff. So I've been flying, you know, airplanes up until this point, and this is your first fly by wire. Yes, fly, fly by, by wire. wire. Yeah. So um, it is your first, uh, you know, like it's your first weapon. You're really kind of getting exposed to, and it has data sub levels. And that's a good point. You know, when you get to same the F-16 is the same way. I mean, when you say when you get to the aircraft, it's no longer about the flying. That's it's, right. It's about the uh, employing as a weapon. I mean, it's, it's a weapon, weapon platform. System. It's yeah. a weapon system. So, and that's why they call it MWS, Major Weapon System. Major Weapon System. I don't know. I think so. Yeah, that's right. I mean, but the whole point is, like you said, it's you know you're using this machine to get to a release the, point. The flying part is easy, and and that's that's you know in, in the Navy what they call it admin. Yes. In the Air Force, we call it the motherhood. Yes. Takeoff and landing is just something you brief by exception. I mean, right? I mean, that's right. You, you, in the Navy, it's the same way. It's it, Unless something happens, you're not really talking about it because right. our job is to go out and take this $40 million aircraft and kill people and break their thing. Yes. I mean, or, you know, yes. whatever our nation's interests, you know, might be. So it's not about the flying. The flying's easy. Yeah. I mean, the actual <laughs> yeah. stick and rudder. Yeah. I mean, especially now, you know, we're flying T-38As, which we'll get to in a second, <laughs> which is a very hard <laughs> airplane, right. you know, stick and rudder wise, you know, it's very, you know, mental, you know, yeah. brain power consuming versus a Hornet, which you oh, know, yeah. it trims for 1G level flight. You know, you got an autopilot, uh, you got radios, everything's hotas, you know, oh, yeah. just hands on throttle and stuff. So let's go back to your story, uh, not to, you know, get off track too much, but, uh, um, Lamore, yep. they gave you, do they give you an assignment from there? It was like they, rank no. you, did they stop ranking you at that point? Oh no. Still, the grading never stops. Not grading, but I mean, are you rack and stack against your peers? Yes. Cause like you go to an yes. Air Force B course, you know, how you're doing relative to everyone else kind of determines yes. where you, you know, you get first choice of assignment, which, you know, in the F-16 would be, you know, Hey, I want to go, you know, first assignment, yep. maybe Spangolum or something like that, you know, really yep. nice place for, Versus, you know, 
something less desirable, which aren't really many de- less desirables anymore. They've right. kind of narrowed it down, but yeah, you know. no, uh, it's the same in the Navy. So, uh, you know, when you first show up to Lemoore, it's like, you know, the, the, in the Navy, there's two called them master jet bases, uh, Virginia, uh, Oceana, and then the West coast is Lemoore. And then of course they have, uh, Japan. So, uh, in the, in the, in the hierarchy, if you will, the guys that get the highest grades, your best dudes, typically and they, they weigh your boat grades very yeah. heavily in this but typically those guys will go to um japan wow. and then it's kind of a free-for-all for the stateside uh places so i did not go to japan no <laughs> so. no, no not that there's anything wrong no, with that not no that there's uh they probably didn't need any guys so i showed up to lamore um it is the hornet was very difficult for me because um I was a steam gauge guy. Uh, we had some T45 guys who were flying the C model, which was... What do you mean steam gauge guys for the uh, folks at home? I'm talking like round dials. <clears throat> so yeah. no glass, no digital. Yeah. Um, and at the no t- HUD, right? No, no, uh, HUD. no, no. Uh, and all that's gone now. Um, but back then, guys were split. Some guys would go the C model, T45. Some guys would go the A model. I went the A model. So it really kicked my butt when I got to the Hornet because I didn't understand... I didn't understand how to operate a glass cockpit airplane, um, and the, the this the step up. I'm sure you can attest between the even the T38 and the F16. It's it's it is a massive step up in and just system management. Well, actually, the C model. But still, yeah, I, I mean s- the C model to the F-16. But again, it's the weapon system. That's right. Stuff. You know, it's not. It's less about the flying. The That's flying right. part's easy. It's just what we used to call it the piccolo drill, right? You know, you know, Timus four, Dauber left, all you know, to get all the. We finger- call it finger fire, baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <It's> like- <clears throat> you know, I mean, the, the, we. I don't know what's a Hornet is, but we solo in like six rides. Oh yeah, it's it's very quick. Oh yeah, that's the easy part. Yes. you know, it's not the, it's not the weapon BFM. You know takes more rides yeah. than it does to learn how to fly the airplane. Dog yeah. Basic fighter. So, I mean, you touch on a good point. So basically all your, we'll call them gray jets, so all your combat airplanes, they have to be easy to fly. Yeah. Um, and the F-18, you know, it has plenty of power. It has plenty of drag. So you can speed up, slow down as much as you want. Like you said, fly by wire. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's <laughs> stuff so you can, like, take your hands yes. off the, the thing. <clears throat> yes. You'll look at your, you know, your in-flight map study, yep. whatever you're doing. Set the autopilot, set the climb. It would even, you don't, uh, to take off, literally, you set the trim, you point it, and you shove an afterburner. It, you do not rotate the... That's least, true. If you're in takeoff tram, it'll, it'll yeah. right off a, the runway. A through D model, you do not rotate it. it ta- and to land it, you know, you just put the velocity vector where you want to land. You don't flare. You oh, just, I did. I flared. I know, I did too, just because <laughs> it was challenging. But, but you don't flare. You just fly it in the runway. I mean, it is the... Probably the easiest jet I've ever flown. Yeah, F-18 is the easiest airplane I think I've ever flown. I don't think they can make it any easier. But made it great. I mean, that's what was so awesome about it. It's very easy. You know, it's not not a difficult jet. So going back to, you know, Lemoore, you got West Coast. I did. You were stationed at Lemoore after that, so everything was kind of, you didn't move. You just stayed there. Yeah, so the way Navy works is you're part of a squadron. The squadron's part of an air wing, and the air wing compromises all of the airplanes and helicopters that will go on a specific carrier and they call it a CAG, right? Carrier group. Um, uh, my uh, squadron was assigned to CAG nine at the time, which was assigned to the John C. Stennis. The Stennis was based in Washington. So even though we were flying out of Lemoore, when we would do exercises with the Stennis, we just meet it out over the Pacific. Um, so and being in Lemoore, a lot of the ranges that we trained at were up in uh, Nevada. Oh, at Fallon? Fallon, Nevada, wow. and then down in uh, El Centro. So, you know, you have your home base, but you do a lot of training. It's kind of like in the Air Force. I think you guys go to Nellis quite a bit. And Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> my experience for the Navy versus the Air Force, we do a lot more at home. Like, we didn't debt, you know, to go on a detachment. You know, like, the, yeah. the Navy guys like to go, like, Key West, you know, on the yeah, East we Coast do. and stuff. Yeah, which, <laughs> I don't, I don't disagree with that. But, you know, as far as doing exercises, I mean, we yeah. the majority of our Air Force training is is base centric. You know, right. air to ground ranges are right there. Air to air ranges are right there. That's correct. Red flag Nellis is more of a an exercise, large force employment exercise. So it's getting a 
other squadrons and doing stuff. I mean, it's, it was not to the extent the Navy does everything. Yeah, we like to go places. Yeah, they don't stay, <laughs> they don't stay home very much. No, and I, sometimes I think that's just a function of budget and not having all the resources. You know, they, we share it. When I was in the Navy, we shared a lot of stuff. You know, like if you wanted your stapler Masks. on the ship. I shared a mask one time. That's right. It was the most miserable. It smelled like Vienna sausage. Yeah. Because I, it was a certain somebody was in our it my squadron. Helmet? No, it wasn't your helmet. Or my helmet. mask? No. Sorry. My, my mask broke. And <laughs> so I call back and I'm like, hey, uh, you know, I'm in the jet. And I go, hey, can you send me a mask? And they run a mask out. I'm like, oh, cool. You know, me, Air Force guy, thinking, no, it's brand new. It's mm-hmm. right out of the thing. I'm like, well, why does it smell like Vienna sausage? Yeah, well, new carriers are expensive. Yeah, well, so, apparently. I mean, they got, <laughs> for nothing. they got a budget somewhere. All right. So, uh, <laughs> keeping this on track, you know, me and the master interviewer here. Um, um, what's it like deploying on a ship? How long were you gone? Uh, eight, eight months. We're gone eight months. It was, uh, you know, I was 20-something at the time, and I wasn't married. Um, and it was, it was a lot of fun. I mean... Like that, you're in your 20s, you, you know, you got a fire jet with your name on it, you're on a nuclear powered ship. I mean, it doesn't get, you know, you got your buddies with you and, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're all having a good time for the most part. I mean, there's serious work going on because obviously it's a combat cruise because we were supporting uh, OEF and OIF and, you know, we were doing work out there. So, I mean, you had to be serious when you were serious, but when you didn't have to be serious, it's pretty good time. Yeah. Yeah. How long did you do like typical tour about three years? Yeah. And then you get a short tour. Yeah. So I did a little more. Uh, I did about three and a half years. Uh, how many deployments is that roughly? Uh, some people it's three, some people I did. So in the Navy, you do a a series of workups, which takes about, about eight months and it's more painful than the deployment. But I did two workup periods and one full cruise. So I left right before they went on their next next cruise. So, uh, but I have friends that did three, you know, they joined them on cruise, came back, did the workups. I mean, I had it pretty, pretty well for the time period, to be honest. Uh, and then you came back, your shore tour was back at Lemoore? Yeah, uh, at the time, and it's still going on a little bit, they were tagging guys coming off their fleet tours to go help the Army, uh, you know, in Iraq and Afghanistan. Like as a, as a ALO liaison? <clears throat> as, a, well, as an augmentee, apparently. I mean, okay. some of these guys were riding in Humvees and stuff. Um, you did that? Uh, I volunteered for one, and I got lucky. <clears throat> and the, when I got to uh, CENTCOM, I volunteered for a CENTCOM one. When I showed up, the commander there said do you want to go to afghanistan or i'm sorry do you want to go to where's the chaos at i forget oh you did yeah do you want to go there or do you want to stay here at centcom in tampa florida i said i'll stay in tampa so he gave me the option so i stayed in tampa i did that for about 10 months and then i went to my next tour which is my shore tour uh in lamore as a you really like lamore uh, man, if you're a Navy, if you're a Navy Hornet guy, all roads lead to Lamar. Yeah. Well, oh, East Coast guys. <clears throat> Most of those guys have, they got ha- they've, they've done a West Coast appreciation tour, which I, I didn't mind Lamar, honestly. I actually grew to really like it. Yeah. Lamar, uh, you were an instructor? Yeah. So I, uh, went to VFA 125, uh, at the time. Now they're teaching F-35 stuff, but at the time it was a Hornet, uh, C and D rag. Are you sad you'll never get to fly the F-35? No, not really. I don't have any heartburn there. I'm good. All right. So talk to me about the short tour. I mean, so once you're an instructor, you're just teaching students. How is that different than your CFI? You know, what's it like? What's the difference? I mean, being an instructor, I mean, from, you know, CFI level, teaching primary. Well, one thing I'll say, you know, not to bash on my buddies, but, you know, I I think the military, the Air Force does a little better job. Actually, they do a lot better job. The Navy doesn't have any uh, formal instructor training. So, yes, they will teach you how to teach this stuff, but they don't teach you how to teach. Whereas in the Air Force, they got pit. And, you know, I experienced a little bit of that and I could pilot instructor training. Yeah. But it's a brand all six months. Yeah. It's where they teach fleet guys or combat air force guys. They teach them how to teach, which um, the civilian flight instructing helped me uh, because, you know, believe it or not, there is a right and wrong way to teach people and different techniques work for different people. But as far as the differences, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite a bit different in the, 
you know, in the Navy, I was teaching guys that six six months from now, or they're going to be loaded with bombs, potentially going and you know doing some some of God's work, or shooting down uh, <clears throat> right uh, other aircraft, which you know happened recently. Right, that's right. So, you know, you, you want to see these guys pass, and you want to. You know, you try to teach them as best you can. Try to put the confidence in them because, you know, it's a steep learning curve. And it's very, uh, I think it's more challenging, actually, to teach a guy in the Navy. Because, you know, in the civilian world, it was, uh, you know, lawyer Bob. And he wanted to go get a $100 hamburger and teach me some TP stalls on the way. You know, it's like, all right, let's high five and go. You know, in our board shorts and uh, flip flops. But there's there's something to be said about that. (laughs) There is. I miss those days, actually. So, but you know, in the Hornet, it was, you know, well, you're dealing with, I mean, you're, I mean, at least from the F-16 side, you know, you're in the back seat on some of these BFM rides. You're you're not only trying to, you know, do the pull G's and stuff like that, but you're trying to talk and teach and trying to show somebody, talk a sight picture onto somebody, which is, I think, yeah, I mean, that's, that's challenging, right? I mean, that's. Yeah, it's very challenging, and I used to, I still adhere to it, you know, the, the worst classroom in the world is the cockpit, so, um, you know, I have my own techniques, but you're right, it's it's very hard uh, to, to try to show somebody something in a classroom setting, like, get them to conceptualize in their head, and then reproduce that yeah. in flight, and these things that Mover is talking about, they're fleeting images, right? Well, yeah. now, now you see this, now you see that, well, if you miss it... Well, you know, (laughs) and and how do you know when a student's not, he's a task saturated. The first thing he goes to hearing. No, that's right. He stops listening to you. That's right. So now he's not listening. Yep. And you know, what do you have left? Take the jet. I mean, that's, yeah, that's right. And the other thing is, you know, you as the IP, um, you know, you're not only trying to teach this kid, but you're trying to, you know, make sure that you both don't fly into the dirt or you overstress the airplane or you crash into the guy you're fighting, you know, so there's all kinds of stuff and you're sitting in the aft cockpit or even I did a lot of flights in the, uh, legacy hornet the a through d model there was a lot of student solos so i was the ip in the other airplane and that to me is even harder because i literally can't see what he's doing you know because i'm not in the same airplane but um and you're trying to make sure he doesn't kill himself and you uh, you know you hurt yourself as well so it's uh as you like to say it's a fast moving ball game (laughs) at times so you uh you flew the a through d you just talked about the legacy hornet Mm -hmm. did you fly the super hornet I did. So uh, I was one of the lucky few who closed down VFA-125, uh, the, the Hornet rag. Um, so it actually closed for a couple of years as they stood up the F-35. So uh, we were absorbed by VFA-122, which was the Super Hornet rag. So there for a while, uh, A through F training was going on on the West Coast. So I got to fly, started flying the Super Hornet. There for a while, I was flying A through F model. So That's awesome. So yeah. That's, that's two qualifications. <clears throat> yeah. So you can walk out, you know, you walk downstairs to maintenance, get the airplane, and they're like, uh, you never, you know, it's dealer's choice. What, what's, <laughs> I mean, for us lay people, yes. what's the difference for the between the two aircraft? as far as as a pilot i mean what do you what do you think which do you like better and kind of flying them what's the difference between the two which is which is better which would you rather take into a a knife fight well um my all-time favorite airplane just if it's just me going out flying around out in the air having a good time i'll take a an old a model i don't want anything in it yeah. Old A model, love them. But if I'm going to go go to war, I'll take the latest model Super Hornet because it's just all the, the toys, the yeah. ECR radars. What if you're dogfighting? You know, you're, you're getting me in the Viper <laughs> of what you're going to lose, regardless of what you lose. <laughs> Debatable. Yeah. But, but you're going up against Mover and his Block 30. Sure. I mean, what do you, what do you take into that fight? Uh,. The best Hornets I've ever flown from that perspective would be the Royal Malaysian F-18s that I flew. So those jets were, uh, they were D model, so they're two seat, but they were a little lighter because they didn't have all the toys. And um, they, they had the uh, joint helmet with the 9X too, and they had the EPE engine. So they had the big motors, um, so you could do double Immelman. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they were, they were very, very, uh, very powerful for the Hornet. I mean, that's that's like saying I was, it's a sporty V6 Camaro, I guess. But in the in the realm of the Hornet, they're very powerful. That's my favorite BFM Hornet. 
All right. So how'd you make the decision to get, you, you did your short tour yep. and then you decided, you know, it's time to move on. Uh, yeah. and, and how many years did you have in at that point? I mean, obviously you fulfilled your commitment. Yeah. So I had a little more than 10 years when I got, it. I got it in 2012. Uh, and I made this decision based on, uh, I think it's, I think it's a young man's game. Um, a lot of my friends got married and divorced. It's very hard on the home life. The novelty of being a fighter pilot wears off on the spouse pretty quickly. Um, um, you know, that wears off when you're gone all the time and, uh, you know, there's a lot of stress involved. It takes a special woman. Um, and I didn't want, I I personally didn't want to put her and any kids that we had, we would have through that. So I decided that when my commitment was up, uh, I was going to leave and, the military, as I'm sure you can attest to, you know, it's, you know, it's mission first. I mean, yeah. they, they can, they can try to spin it all they want, but it's the needs of the air force or Navy first and then figure out your home life. I mean, so, but then at that point you got out. Sure did. And then what? Well, uh, I, uh, I didn't really have too much of a plan, <laughs> which is kind of my MO. Just pull the handle and you're like, well, now see what we're... happens. Yeah. Other people have done it. I'll yeah. be fine. No. So I decided to quit. And the, 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 the sad thing is, sad or, or not, is, you know, it's like your whole guard reserve thing. There's a bunch of good deals in the military, but you're never going to hear about them. Um, you know, I was on a path, you know, so there's a path that jet guys go and that is to be a skipper or a CAG or whatever. And as soon as you come off that path, you know, they send you to some cruddy job and I, you got to hold your cards close. So I didn't let anybody know I was getting out until I met the window. There's like a, a time frame window when you can actually, it's called dropping your letter in the Navy that you could drop your letter. So I held my cards closed and tell many people, uh, until the day. And then I dropped my letter and then it was like, it's like coming out of the closet. <laughs> not that, <laughs> not that that's bad. <laughs> but, <laughs> and there goes a couple thumbs down. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, it's like, it's so freeing. Um, but you know, you'll never hear about these good deals that are out there, uh, because because um, people try to keep you on the path. But I decided I just wanted out and I didn't really have a plan other than I did get picked up uh, by the F-5 unit down in Key West to go fly F-5s. Navy Reserve. Navy Reserve, part-time, which was cool. And that was about it. Did did you fly for them? No. You know, uh, those guys are awesome. Uh, They... uh, they actually painted my name on a jet and everything. And I never, I never made it down there because, uh, about six months before I got out, a good friend of mine came in and said, Hey, gonky, you need to apply to this job. And I said, okay. So I did. It was, it was uh, <laughs> all right. Well, all right. I don't have anything else. No other no opportunities. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> so, uh, no, but it was, uh, he found this job with Boeing, uh, teaching the Royal Malaysian air force, how to fly the Hornet as a civilian. And I thought that'd be really cool. So, uh, I applied, I applied to him, uh, did a phone interview and I never heard anything. So I thought, eh, probably somebody better. Um, so, you know, my plan was, uh, go fly F fives down in Key West in Florida and see what happens. That was literally my plan. It's a good plan. Yeah. Okay. My wife loved it. <laughs> but then, how, but you, you did it. Right. So we, uh, I had like three months of leave saved up, which was pretty glorious. So I took a whole summer off. I hadn't done that since high school, which was awesome. So I'm in Ohio. Um, we pull into a Wendy's because uh, that's where jobless people eat, like myself at the time. And uh, I get a phone call and it's Boeing. And they said, hey, listen, we think you'd be great for the job. Do you still want it? I said, absolutely. Hung up the phone, put the car in reverse. My wife's like, what are we doing? I'm like, we ain't eating Wendy's. <laughs> I just got a job. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then that's... We're going to McDonald's. We're going to Bob Evans, baby. <laughs> um, no, so that's... Uh, we spent the next... It took us like six weeks, two months to get everything together to go to Malaysia. Uh, so Boeing, uh, right away, you know, they did a lot of legwork for for me and the, the wife. We didn't have any kids yet. Um, we had dog. He came with us. Oliver. Oliver. He came. He's a world traveler. Um, but yeah, so that's what got us headed towards uh, Asia. And I'd never. I lived all over the world. You know, I lived in Middle East and uh, traveled all over the world. I'd never. Wow. never lived in Asia and it was 
the beginning of a really cool experience flying as an instructor. <laughs> Yeah, so I like to tell everybody I was a mercenary, right? Because I was a civilian. Yeah, you were. Literally working for a, uh, another uh, military. So um, I didn't really, to be honest, I had to Google Malaysia. <laughs> Quite, I mean, I, you know, I knew it was over there somewhere, but. Well, now it's famous because of the MH370. That's right. Yeah, that's, so that's right. That's why anybody knows about it now. Yes. Yeah. And the other triple seven that got shot down by the Russian that's Santa. Us. Yeah, you guys don't. I wouldn't fly on a triple seven out there. If I, no. I was over there when all that happened. So, I mean, I. All right. Anyways, um, yeah. So, uh, I Googled where it was and I was like, oh, wow, it's just south of Thailand. Looks fun. It's probably warm all year. And, uh, yeah, we got over there in uh, late October of uh, 2012. So you got to fight, though, a yeah. lot of cool airplanes. Yeah. Uh, in fact, you were in the video that I used uh, against the Su-30. Right? Are we saying Su-30 now? I don't know. What, yeah. Ask. Yeah. Flanker, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, you bring up a good point. You know, like, I'm sure in the F-16, right, you study the MiG-29. Yep. You study the flanker. Yep. I mean, when's the last time you saw one? Never. Right. So Malaysia is one of those countries that <laughs> bought the Hornet. They bought the flanker, like the good, the, the higher end flanker. It's got thrust vectoring and all that crazy stuff. And they got MiG-29s and even bought the Hawk and the F-5 as well. So I went over one there. One of everything. It's like, <laughs> I'll just take one of every, it's like, here, I'll, I'll go to this country. That's right. I'll take two of those. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much is like the golden corral of fighters, <laughs> if you will. Um, which is really cool because, uh, you know, I... I spent over a decade studying uh, these airplanes and the tactics and stuff behind them. And then I actually got to see, it's kind of crazy. I had to get out to see this, um, but I got to see them fight. I got to see how they think. Um, and I actually got to see the airplanes and, you know, up, up close and personal with them. So, I mean, it was really cool. And then the, the British would bring the Eurofighter, the Typhoon, the oh, Saab, geez. and there's all kinds of cool stuff that I would have never got to experience if I didn't get out, you know, and, uh, and just kind of take that chance. Like I said, it, it wasn't an opportunity when I quit. So the contract ended and you came back to the States and yeah. then that is when Gonky <laughs> and Mover. Our world's nine. collided. Yeah, our world's collided. <laughs> uh, you got hired at 204. Yeah. So, you know, when I was, uh, it's, it's such a small world. So like any, you know, I don't know, any of your viewers thinking about doing this, like literally from day one, you know, rule one. Yeah, don't be a douche. Don't be a douche. Don't be a douche. Because it, it's a small community and it will bite you. Absolutely. I So I'm in Malaysia and the contract, unfortunately, went away. Um, and uh, there was an American guy coming over to evaluate a new simulator they had bought. So he's an American guy, Hornet guy. So I want to admit him. You know, he's like, you need, you know, should come over and check out 204 Reserve Unit in New Orleans. And, you know, and he started naming some guys that were there. I'm like, oh, I know those guys. And Except you didn't know Mover. I didn't know Mover. No, <laughs> no. Uh, he said, yeah, we're even taking Air Force guys. I was like, oh, I'm totally in. Yeah. So. No standards. None. They will just let anybody. <laughs> yeah, you're like, Heartbeat, you're in. <laughs> um, so I applied while I was over there. And, you know, uh, I, I show up to 204. I interview. They need guys, you know, I'm called and they, uh, very fortunate. They hired me. Um, so I was living in Pensacola at the time and it's like a three hour, three and a half hour drive to New Orleans. Uh, but it was cool. I, you know, I got to still fly Hornets part-time and, um, scratch the itch, hang out with great dudes. Everybody in the squadron there was, you know, I didn't have any issues and we had, you know, it was fun. We didn't have any airplanes a lot of time, but there's plenty of coffee. Yeah, the, the, the A model had <clears throat> issues, but, yeah. um, so from there you went, uh, to the land of milk and honey <laughs> air force reserve. So the guard reserve we've been talking about the, the next deal. Uh, tell me about that. Tell me about that transition. How'd that work out for you? Yeah, so the Hornet was great. <clears throat> Flying New Orleans is great, but you know, for it's that perpetual quality of life you're always looking for. And um, you know, the, I found out about through you uh, yeah. this this land of milk and honey place down at Tyndall Air Force Base. Uh, flying T-38s. So, uh, you know, you got me uh, 
some contacts yep. and I threw my name in the hat and I came down and interviewed and fortunately, you know, they had a spot for me and they liked whatever bottle I bought them. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that in another episode. <laughs> yeah. Rushing a squadron. Very important. You know, buy a bottle. Yeah. Uh, be yourself. Yeah, two guys here that don't drink. Don't be a douche. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, don't be a douche. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. don't drink and I brought them a... Yeah. Don't, it's, don't go it's cheap. It's just tradition. It's, it's part of the, the yeah. buy-in. But um, talk to me about, I mean, I've talked about, you know, going from Air Force to Navy back to Air Force. <laughs> what is it like from your perspective, Navy to Air Force? I mean, what's that? You know, because I, I went, it, it felt like a foreign country. <laughs> it felt like a foreign language. Yeah. You know, it's it's like you're 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 it's an alien world yeah. uh, that you're trying to navigate through. Just talk to me about you know how that the, your perspective for all that and tell me about the T thirty eight A. well, you know, in the fighter community, uh, I would argue that fighter pilots in general are are all the same, generally speaking. Generally speaking, yeah. Um, you know, we all want to, you know, like you type said, A personality. Yeah, we want to do well. We don't want to be, you know, uh, we don't, no load. You that's know, you want to, you want to pull your weight. Yeah, I yeah, get that. yeah. You know, we want to go out and kick tires and light fires, right? That yeah. kind of stuff. So, uh, it. But the cultures are definitely different, you know. And uh, the longer that I'm, the more exposure I get to the Air Force, the more I can kind of see the why they are why we are the way we are because I'm an Air Force guy. Why are you the way that you are? (laughs) Um, But, you know, the whole boat operation and the fact that the Navy has ships and stuff, they got to operate a certain way. Um, But, you know, to answer the question, it's kind of like going back to Catholic school (laughs) in a way. But it's a little different now because, you know, I have wings. I have thousands of hours of flying tactical airplanes. The T-38A is, um, you know, (laughs) it is a... Um, so, well, to start off, the T-38A is the original supersonic trainer. The very first one, 1950s technology, um, it is not upgraded. So currently what's at pilot training base is the T-38C. So it's yes. got a HUD, they can fly RNAV approaches, you know, yeah. it's got moving map, TCAS, all that stuff. This is a simple, you know, uh, 050 ejection seat, uh, ILS, which is kind of okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, tack in old school HSI, uh, uh, airspeed indicator that reads in 10 knot increments. It's uh, your <laughs> it's your 1975 Cessna 172 rental with two jet engines. It is the airplane that is the reason a lot of guys didn't become fighter pilots. Yeah. Didn't become pilots at all because oh, back in the day, there were no two-track systems right. and T1s and T38s. Everybody had to go through this airplane and it is a beast yeah. to fly. It's not an easy cross-check or anything. No, so they sent me you know so okay so i go to the t38 but first i actually did go to the c model because they sent me to randolph uh, i truly believe to confuse me and to well no i mean just to, <laughs> to give you a baseline with you know i know actual. so i but i go to randolph and i i fly the t38c for i don't know like 12 flights or something like that and it like you said it's nice got glass and all this nonsense but the uh but the pilot to jet interface is completely different than the hornet and so you know i'm not a techie kind of guy so it was a steep learning curve and just as i was kind of starting to get it i left and came here to fly the a model which is a better flying airplane but it definitely doesn't have the toys uh, that the C model has, but I mean, you hit the nail on the head. The T thirty eight, I flew. I mean, I flew the T forty five A model, yeah. and that thing is easier to fly than the T thirty eight. The T thirty eight, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I mean, I know it's killed a lot of guys, unfortunately. Oh, I yeah, can clearly see why. Dangerous. I mean, it's got a very yes. Um, you know, it, it's underpowered, so you can get on the backside of the power curve very easily and get you know final turn is very dangerous, and you can get out of the ejection envelope very quickly. You know, because the seat is not you know it's not 
not one of the new, uh, where they fly Martin Baker or is it the Aces? No, that's Martin oh, Baker, I think. Is it? Is, uh, but um, so anyway, you, you transition there. And so the, the, the speak is different. The language, um, <laughs> yeah. there's a little bit of a language barrier procedurally. I mean, it makes for funny stories, but it does also kind of oh, yeah. go to the point of uh, two services under the same Department of Defense for the United States government do yeah. two, two different things. I mean, even basic stuff like formation. Yeah. Right. I mean. Yeah, no. I mean, you know, for example, I'm going through the, the flight lead upgrade stuff now. And like, you know, if we went out and did the flights and just muted all the talking <laughs> and everything. It'd be the same thing. It, you would see the airplanes flying and you're like, oh, that looks like Gonky did great. And then you listen to the comm and, and they're like, well, why did you say, what does this mean? You know, what's this deck? Speed and angels. What's this deck nonsense? And yeah. why do you say head so many times? You know, like all, um, but yeah, so that's been the challenging part actually. You know, flying the airplane is difficult in the sense that it's not, it is stick and rudder, which is cool. Yeah. It's, it's, it's challenging. You but know? it goes back to our point previously about, um, you know, an F-18, F-16 flying is secondary to the mission. Yeah. In the T-38, you have a mission plus flying because it does nothing for you. I mean, you, you, you know, won't hold altitude. You trim, trim is your friend. Um, yeah. you know, it won't, there's no autopilot. There's no. nothing. So single pilot can be pretty busy. Very busy. Very busy. Very difficult. Um, so now, you know, you're flying T-38A, which you know, we're happy to have you back in the, in, or in the Air Force for the first time. Um, what, what do you do now? What's your, what's your side gig? What's your, what's your, what's your goal here? Yeah. So when I came back from Malaysia, you know, I actually started, uh, I've always liked real estate, lost a lot of money in real estate in the past, right? But I've always liked it, loved it, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a passion and, uh, you never seem to leave that. So I started a little, uh, uh, I, I, uh, buy and sell land. So I have a land business that I do. I started that when I was flying Hornets. I continue it here as I'm flying T38A uh, models, which, yeah, that's another plug for uh, reserves and just flying reserves, right? You get to still fly some cool airplanes. It's just a T38, but it's still it's yeah. a fun airplane. You get to fight Raptors, right? And then I'm buying and selling land primarily here in Florida. Uh, a little company, ENO Real Estate. I named it ENO because my wife's name is Emma. My dog's name is Oliver. Well, there you go. There you go, right? He, he does have an, a YouTube channel that will soon uh, be probably one of the most popular channels on YouTube. <laughs> Uh, tell, I, tell me about that. Yeah, so I, uh, I I use YouTube as a marketing, uh, a way to market property because. Uh, but it's educational. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm definitely moving towards an educational spin because a lot of people that buy land off me, believe it or not, they don't. I don't really know how, um, and it's not that hard to be honest. So, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll put the link uh, in the description below. Please check it out. Uh, subscribe to his channel. <laughs> I think you'll enjoy, it, especially if you like hearing him talk for the last however long this video is. Uh, one last thing before we wrap this up, tell me about your T-shirt. Oh yeah, Folds of Honor. Uh, so uh, we're very fortunate to have a guy in the 301st here with us, uh, Major Dan. Major Dan. Dan Rooney. Uh, he, this is his charity, Folds of Honor. So hopefully you can get him yeah. on no, the show. If, if this, yeah, this is interview one, but hopefully yeah. we'll get, you know, Major yeah. Dan and some Major Dan's people. will be way better. He's a guard, F-16 guard guy. Yeah. Uh, and his, on Fox and Friends every morning. That I, I Fox and Friends. But I mean, he is a, uh, he's amazing human. He uh, is a professional golfer. Cause is what makes it awesome. And, you know, his story, I'm sure you have to ask him his story. He but, will tell his story. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's pretty awesome. You know, he saw something and he took action and he created this uh, very successful now um, charity where he supports uh, the kids of, you know, basically wounded warriors, you know, guys who died in combat, who are disabled and can't, you know, uh, it's tough for them to put their kids through college. And he's got the support of some major, major companies. It's a good, it's a good cause. Oh, yeah. It's a great cause. So that link will be in... The, I think YouTube actually allows me to put a link somewhere. So wherever you see the link, uh, please go to it, support it. Uh, it's a it's a worthy cause. So uh, Gawky, dude, uh, thanks for being the first guinea pig on what I hope will be a, a continuing series. We'll hope to have you back on the channel. Yeah, uh, anytime, man. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about stuff. I can talk with my hands all day. <laughs> all right, man. <laughs> so, Appreciate all right, it, bud. Yeah.